0: back to JoyGasm, where we chat about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live, Toaster360. He is Steve, Xbox Live, Steveovich, and we answer the Call of Duty in episode 92 today, October 19th, 2018. We are going to jump right into our main topic of the day, which is the Call of Duty Black Ops 4, which just got released earlier this week. And, uh, yeah, before we do that, though, we do have some fun little tidbits such as uh, our little Howdy Doody time and also talking about this past week in movie and video game release dates slash history. We're still trying to figure out what to call it, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Steve, how you doing? I'm doing okay, Rush. How about yourself? <sighs> I am doing, I must say, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Good. You know, it's
1: interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to go uh, first this time. What, Russ, why don't you, want you to tell me what you've been, been playing and watching?
0: Well, I'll tell you in just a bit. I, I have to say there's been a lot of... <laughs> besides the obvious. Yeah, besides, yeah exactly. The um, The past several days, you know, it's interesting. My my day job, we're, were currently moving out of a temporary space and we're moving into our our permanent space that has been in the works now for about two and a half years. So it's kind of funny kind of like the temporary space uh, didn't seem so temporary. Initially, we were always supposed to be there for maybe three to six months.
1: (laughs) This is going to be our temporary forever living space.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So um, there's been a lot of of, uh, housekeeping going on at the office. And uh, in addition to that, as you well know, the, the pod that uh, got filled uh, back in California got delivered as well. So, I, you know, you, of course, being the uh, supportive, yeah. uh, ever loving, hamburger, loyal uh, meathead of a <laughs> brother came over to help me unload everything. And that was awesome. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. It was very much uh, appreciated. But I'll work my glutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to say, though, that um, the. Uh, all the lifting and whatnot, I mean, as you well know, I, um, I'm not a very physically active man. It's something that I need to be able to improve upon. And as a result, um, my uh, my wrist is uh, a little aggravated. I think um, there's some tendinitis, perhaps, something like that. Uh, I don't know if it's because I'm no longer in my 20s. I have no idea, but it's a little aggroed, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, so hopefully we'll, I'll be able to, you know, maybe pop some pills and Ugh. try and take the edge off that sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's all up and down. It's from the wrist up to my elbow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in terms of gaming and movies, I have not, you know, it's been a while since I've watched a movie. Um, I know it has. And actually speaking of, we need to see that one movie. It's something like a night at the El Royale or something like that. A bad night at the El Royale. I'm not exactly yeah. sure. Yeah, I've had right. I've had a few friends like highly recommend that that we go check it out, and we've actually had some listeners request that we check it out because they want us to review it. And so that's something that's I should think would be put onto our bro date to watch list. We should. So anyway. I humbly agree. Uh, but in terms of gaming, though, I have been continuing my escapade through Forza Horizon Four, and then uh, it, it continues to be a lot of fun. It's interesting to me how the seasons work, and I think that we kind of had this discovery recently where um, you reach a certain point in the game, and all of a sudden you get this kind of wristband, and as, and then like the the seasons actually stay as they are for a certain amount of days—about a week. Yeah, it's it's very different. I wanted to get your opinion on that just because I was thinking about it. It's like on the one hand that's kind of cool because it's it's a server-based season change. It's not based on how many races you win or whatever. It's it's literally you're going to be in the winter time until this timer reaches 0 and then it'll switch to springtime and so on and so forth, but I don't know. For, for me, what's, what's interesting about the snow, I, that, and that's where we are at currently right now, is the, the winter season in the game. And I have found that in Forza Horizon 3, I really loved Blizzard Mountain. And I think it's because they specifically designed that area to kind of play toward the, the kind of the snow dynamics. The snow rally. Because I don't think Blizzard Mountain actually exists um, in in Australia. I think that that was something that was completely fabricated from the team. But as a result, I mean, it was just a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun playing through Blizzard Mountain. But what's weird is that in in Forza Horizon 4, as I'm playing through the snow, I mean, there are moments that I think are, are fun and that sort of thing. But as a general rule, I think it's probably my least favorite season out of the four seasons. I really love springtime I uh, love summertime. I think fall is cool too with the mud and, you know, slogging through everything. But the snow really, I, don't, I, I find myself kind of going, okay, that was fun.
1: I'm ready to, to
0: return to spring
1: already. Well, I think the, the drawback of it is where we had Blizzard Mountain. It was actually a blizzard. You know, you had mm. a ton of snow coming at you all the time. And even in the loading screen, I mean, it's just, you know, tons of powder flying your way. This seems like, okay, yes, it's winter, it's cold, but there's no blizzard. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't claim it to be a blizzard, but it would be nice if there was like, you know, some wind or a uh, heavier snowfall and not just everything covered in ice, which right. is kind of what it is. So yeah, it does give the impression that everything's really cold and really slippery, but that's, that's about it. So there's a little bit of a drawback. It's not as exciting. Everything's just slick and slippery. That's true. It does have more of an icy feel
0: to it as opposed to like oh i'm in like this fresh powder right. slushy snow kind of right thing.
1: i mean i don't mind the snow too much I, I i like driving uh i like doing the rally races and the slipping and sliding and the drifting and whatnot um so i don't mind it but yeah after i would say after a week of driving in the snow i'd be ready for a season change for yeah sure. yeah
0: now, the other thing that I thought was really cool too within the game is the whole convoy concept. I really did enjoy being able to race with you, like on a team of sorts, through these different races. And I don't know if if they had that as a feature in Horizon Three or not. You you did you could you yeah. could okay,
1: because yeah. I don't think we ever
0: exercised that in Horizon Three. Well,
1: that's because we only have one copy of the game. Right? So- that's very true. Yeah, I
0: gotta buy one, one of
1: my one of my own. <laughs> Definitely be
0: worth your time. But um, I am glad that we're actually kind of exploring that particular feature because, for one, it's just great to have you in there racing, and it's cool because it's not like we're necessarily competing against each other. We're on the same team. We're trying to like be. Uh, my understanding, anyway, is that if one of us gets first place then the team collectively gets that i think i mean i like like i still will place in a different place like if you get first place and i get like eighth place i'm still going to get eighth place but i'm curious as to how the spoils are
1: yeah distributed I, I remember we did a showcase event once and i placed like third or something like that cuz it was the it was two of us and then whatever, whoever was racing against us and when, you know, in the computer, the dirt bikes or the train or whatever it was. And so I came in last, but it still gave me... Oh, and when I came in last, they were like, oh, I guess we could just back the train up and uh, start this all over again. Or, you know, they said something. We <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of off the walls, like, oh man, I got to do it again. uh, But then it gave me credit for it as, a, and then it gave me more races, like as if I placed first. Hmm. So I don't know how did, I don't know. And I don't know if like...
0: Is it only when you get first place that they release more tracks? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Or perhaps like first through third? or Yeah, I'm still kind of unclear on how that works.
1: Yeah. Because I, I think they say different things if you the worst you place. I mean, the higher you place, like first, you'd be like, oh did a great job. Oh, well, here here you go. Here's some more stuff. Right,
0: yeah. They, they sing your praises for sure when you get first place. Yeah,
1: and then if you get third, you're like, oh, well, that was not terrible, but that's above average. <laughs> <I think>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, thanks. Feeling bad now. <laughs> not living up to expectation.
0: Now, the other thing, too, about the whole convoy concept is that we have found, based on how much you have tuned your vehicle, that plays a uh, very important role as to like the, the how you perform in the race so like you know one of the things we found out was that um, you of course are very much into tuning and upgrading your vehicle and you're more seasoned when it comes to like understanding all the different ins and outs of that me I'm like a fair weather guy when it comes to cars I, I don't really fully understand how that works I can kind of Bump into certain things
1: <laughs> in the menu
0: systems and yeah. be like, okay, yeah, the horsepower, that makes sense, that sort of thing. Oh,
1: you're supposed to put oil in the engine. Eh, for, I'll yeah, for all. Yeah, forego <laughs> that for now. Eh, <laughs> let's just get out there. Exactly.
0: And um, what's interesting about our situation with the convoy was like, there, there were instances where you had a vehicle that was more tuned than mine. And so you were able to, to drive better, better handling, faster, that sort of thing. But then as a result, slam into the walls harder. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of the drive were also more tuned to be able to compete with you. And then they just left me in the dust. Like there were times <laughs> where I came in almost dead last because I, I simply could not, uh, compete on that, that performance level. So it it was funny because we started talking about like, okay, moving forward, we've got to make sure that like our tunings are, are pretty closely aligned in order to try and, and make this uh, somewhat enjoyable because otherwise one of us is going to get left in the dust yeah. and it's probably going to be me because you do more <laughs> of the uh, tuning. But
1: one thing that I'd hope they change is the, the checkpoints. Because okay. if you miss one checkpoint... Your, your chances of, of placing anywhere redeemingly good in the race are next to nothing. That's true. Uh, and it won't let you proceed until you go back and do the checkpoint. So, I mean, you either take your entire convoy, regardless if it's two people or more, and start the entire race over and sit through all the loading screens <laughs> or drive back to where they want you to drive back. Start, I mean, that's not going to be fun. Um, I don't know. I, it's It's not terrible. It's not horrible,
0: but there are definitely consequences to missing those markers, though. I mean, they, they penalize you pretty hardcore on that whole thing. And it's interesting, too, because when you're in a convoy, you really can't use the whole like reverse time yeah. backup button thing. Um, and so once again, that's also a problem because you back up as a player, but the rest of the drivatars and anyone else in your convoy continues racing right. along. So
1: it's, it is, uh, it's a, it, it's a dire consequence. And the thing is they, the game conditions you to do it when right. you're ra- racing solo. And so you think, Oh, I messed up there. I'll just rewind and do it over again. And then you're like, Oh crap. Uh-huh. I'm like 15 minutes behind everybody now. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think overall it's been fun. I, I've been enjoying like purchasing every time there's a new like property that's available for sale. It's just really funny because you can't actually go into the houses, but it's just nice to be able to park your car in the front yard and be able to enjoy kind of like the little view that they have there for you. And it's cool, too, to be able to check out those houses like during the different seasons because they, they actually do look uh, distinctly different depending on what season it is. Right. So that's fun. and And I've been doing some sightseeing, too, with like the little like... I don't know what they call it, like little beauty polaroids or whatever, but it's like where you you can pull over to the side of the road and just kind of stare at kind of a landmark
1: or something. They have some brief description and whatever and whatnot. One thing that I liked about Forza Horizon 3 that I've yet to see in this one or here is if you select a vehicle, you know, a Ford or a, you know, Lamborghini or Ferrari or something and you let the you know, the the car kind of spin around, you know, the camera kind of goes around slowly around the vehicle. And if you did nothing, then the options you had up on the screen would would go away and it would almost be a screensaver. And then you would hear your mechanic buddy chime in and say, oh, here's like one minute's worth of history on the the car specifically or the motor company. So you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, I heard about, you know, Ferrari's beginnings. I heard a little bit about the the E-Type Jag or something like that. I, I'm, you know, being a car guy, I love that stuff. And I haven't, I haven't, I mean, I haven't let the the game just kind of play on and see if that actually happens. Mm-hmm. But um, when you go to your barn finds every now and then, the same guy in Forza Horizon 3 would say, Oh, you know what? You know, and he would start talking about how cool the car was back in the 70s mm-hmm. or the 60s or something. And in this one, they, they kind of just go, Oh, well, this is cool. This car was made, I wasn't born yet. I'll get it back to the shop and repair it for you, you know? (laughs) Oh, that's it.
0: (laughs) I have to also just chime in here and talk about how much harder it is to find the barns in this game. And Horizon 3, like I had a pretty easy time finding it. You know, I would just kind of joyride around and I'd see one. But in this one, they've really ratched it up the difficulty to be able to find these these barns. And really, I don't think I have found a single barn by just driving around. I've had to park my car and really rely on the the drone right. to be able to fly around, and then all of a sudden you'll find it. and luckily, it will place a marker on your your little world map, yeah, to be able to find it. But man, it, I mean it's it's really difficult for me to find it. Have you been having that kind of um, issue too?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely have. Um, basically, well, in the wintertime, everything looks just looks white. So it doesn't matter where yeah. you go. You're like, oh, the trees look white. The ground looks white. The sky looks kind of white. You know, <laughs> everything has snow on it. Yeah. And so that makes it ex- excessively difficult. But yeah, sometimes I'll go. I'll have to use my my drone because mm. I'll eventually run into enough trees and rocks and bolt you know whatever and I'll get tired of it and I have to use my drone and then I'll end up just zigzagging back and forth like all the way front all the way right all the way left all the way right all the way left yeah. all the way right and I'm like oh there it is yeah so
0: I have also been enjoying just my my steady collection of just of just acquiring a car here, a car there, that sort of thing, and there was that one supercar that I got that you were able to identify right away. And I guess it's legendary status; it's probably my fastest car I have in there. And I got to say, it is fun to be able to just drive on the roads with a supercar like that and have it have the handling that it does and the speed at which you are driving. I mean, it, they have really nailed kind of the the joyride aspect. Of those cars, when when you're able to just hit the road and just you you're just feeling the, all the corners and you're feeling like just the inertia of everything, it's just I mean it's it, it is a lot of fun. I, I really do love that series. That's
1: the Pagani. You have the Pagani. Is that
0: what it is? Yeah, yeah. It's
1: it's it's a lot of fun. Pagani used to work for Lamborghini, Russ. Just so you know, but the um, engine is uh, Mercedes AMG. And they, and they don't try and hide it either. I mean, that's right out there in the it's open. It's a hybrid hands. of sorts, huh? Yeah. <laughs> See, I,
0: I have no idea anyway. whatsoever. It's, it makes the world more of an enlightening
1: place to be able to find out stuff like that. If you go into the Forza Vis, Visa, Vista, Forza Vista, which is like the, when you can look all around the car and you can actually yeah. get in the car, mm-hmm. if you turn the car on, which is it's real subtle, but if you turn the car on and you accelerate just to hear how the car sounds, mm-hmm. you'll notice the camera shifts a little bit like to the corner or it shakes. Hmm. And Forza Horizon 3, it didn't do that. But some of these higher powered motors, even if you, were, like, if you were to actually sit in the car and give it a good rev, like, you know, it's the floor rev to the red line, right? The car would just kind of not bend a little bit, but with the engine cranking over, the car buckles slightly. Really? Yeah. I'll have to t- uh, pay attention to that next time.
0: But yeah, I think that's pretty much like the main game that I have been playing. I mean, it, it has been a lot of fun to play. I'm, I know I'm going to be putting more time into it. And um, of course, Soul Calibur 6 is right around the corner. And I feel like I need to also just mention that um, in our at the end of our previous episode, I had mentioned that... Um, we were going to do Soul Calibur Six play impressions as our topic of the day for this episode, but that has been punted because I didn't realize that um, the game would not be delivered by the time we recorded this. So, yeah, that one's probably going to be next week. <laughs> but uh, what about you? What have you been playing? Uh,
1: I, I think been watching. Well, yeah. And obviously oh, you've been playing Forza with me. But. Right. Okay, so I finished up Season Quattro. Of, of of 24. Uh that would be uh Vintae Quattro. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um craziness. Just and in freaking sane. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean they there's no slowdown whatsoever. Mm. And and it, I'm not gonna say that's it's my favorite season so far. But it just might be my favorite season (laughs) so (laughs) far. But that being said, they—I don't know if if they left some knots untied because they might bring characters back later on. I'm not gonna say a word. Um, But I I, and I kind of want to Google it. Like, what happened to this person? Like, I thought they were—you know—they got kidnapped, and what happened? You know, and the bad guy got caught, but. What happened to this other person? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. Hmm. Well, that's good, Steve. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, well, I just let's see. The last movie I, I haven't finished it yet. I'll I'll finish it. Uh, you know, probably tomorrow. But I got uh, the movie Fences with uh, Mr. Denzel. Fences. I don't think I've heard of this. Denzel Washington. Fences, when this come out? Yeah, it was was earlier this year sometime. It was kind of an underrated movie. And I thought, hey, you know, I like Denzel Washington. Oh, I'll pick that one up. Love <laughs> me some Denzel. Yeah. Um, this it's he's got a ton of dialogue. Like there's some long shots of him just going blah, 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 blah Just talking and talking and talking. And that's a lot of lines to memorize in one take. What's the synopsis? Well, he is. Um, he's basically, um, a middle-aged father who was raised real old school and, uh, trying to get along with his, with his married in family, uh, who's real new school. And, um, I don't know, just kind of dealing with, with stuff, with life, his own, his own way. I don't Mm. know. It's, it's kind of a, it's not real exciting. It's kind of a drama, but I don't want to say like soap opera drama, but that's kind of what comes to mind. But, uh, man. Now he can he he can act for sure. He can indeed. That's a man I enjoy watching on screen. That's no. for sure. Any other games though? Aside from I know you've been forcing it up with me, but right. Yeah. Well, no. Well, yeah. Just Overwatch. Still trying to collect as much as I can as I can collect. I love the Halloween season in Overwatch. Yes, and I am so
0: guilty because I have not actually played any of this season's. Uh, Overwatch Overwatch Halloween special. And I've got to do that before it's too late. I know I have a a few, maybe maybe only two weeks left. I think it ends October 31st, right? Yeah. Yeah, I need to get in there. Maybe uh, either this weekend. No, I can't. I'm going to be gone this weekend. Maybe uh, next week I'll be able to do it. But see, on top of that, Red Dead Redemption 2 is going to be released on October 26th, if I'm not mistaken. Oh,
1: GameStop better call me. Yeah, I reserved it. I'm telling
0: you, that game is going to occupy a very big swath
1: of my time by the time. <laughs> All Babe, said go done, to bed. I'll be upstairs playing <laughs> cowboy.
0: <laughs> I to spend some quality time with my horse and my traps. <laughs> Uh, okay well let's uh, segue into a bit of um the uh what 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 are we segueing into i guess we're gonna call it the this what the week of movie and video game release dates just this week this week in movies and video games does that sound better
1: it rolls off the tongue a little easier well, it's kind of like their 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 birthday of, so, of sorts, Russ. They're turning like, you know, 25, 30, whatever, <laughs> on this day in the past. Okay. Well, take it away, Steve. Well, October continues to be a slow month, Russ. A for, slow month. A slow month for movies and games. But here we go. So movies only got two real real kind of nuggets for you. That's okay. Practical Magic. This is with uh, your girl, Sandra Bullock. I love me some Sandra. Everybody loves Sandra Bullock. How could you not? Very, very easy to... She, she's wonderful on screen. Very lighthearted actress. Anyway, Practical Magic was kind of a chick flick. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I can say that without making anybody upset. Is that the <laughs> one with Nicole Kidman in it? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, rule hit with the ladies. That one turns 20.
0: So... for those- That came
1: out in... 1998. 1998. <clears throat> that was, hey, hey, yeah. w- what was the day? The 20th, October 20th. October 20th. Yes, yes. Yeah. And Sandra hasn't aged a day. <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's a very lovely lady. Yes, indeed. So, we also have the original Three Musketeers. Really? Turns 70. 70? 70. Wow. So this 19- so is- 1948. Was-
0: 1948. So we're talking like black and white, like the That's O.G. Right. O.G. Of right. the
1: right. Even with them, like real prop swords. I don't, actually I don't know if
0: they're easy.
1: Curve how you swing that thing.
0: Yeah, really get
1: cut. <laughs>
0: Whenever I think of like sword fights in Hollywood, I cannot help it. But I think of the Rocketeer. I was just thinking about the Rocketeer. Man.
1: So what about games? games okay so uh columns numero trace oh turns 25 just about to graduate college really (laughs) columns three so what year was that 1993 golly man i just remember columns on the game gear that's all i really i played columns on was game gear oh yeah that was like one of the quintessential games that you had to play i think that was the game that came with a system wasn't it yeah columns came with the game gear and, I, and Columns, see, Columns was, was like Tetris, only it was in real color. Yeah. And you was using, like, crystals and rubies and stuff like that. It wasn't just, like, different shapes of blocks. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And what day did that come out? Uh, that was the 15th. October 15th. October 15th of 1993. Huh. Okay. And let's see, also on the 15th, we had Samurai Showdown 64, oh. Warrior's Rage. Yeah, I love me some Samurai Showdown. That was the one, that was the uh that was the uh that was on the the Neo Geo like upgraded Neo Geo system arcade where they actually had it 3D style, kinda like virtual fighter, it wasn't yeah. like a two D. Mm-hmm.
0: I must say, I do prefer more of the, the traditional 2D style with Samurai Showdown. Yeah. That, that was kind of one of the, the pillars of the game.
1: And uh, Duke Nukem. Boy, oh, back up. What year did that oh, come group. out? What, what day? What, what year? I told you the date was the 15th. October 15th and 1998. 1998. So that'll be it turns 20. Mm. 20. Also on the 15th, uh, Duke Nukem. Which one? The first one? Uh Time to Kill. Okay. I don't know which one that was. There's tons of Duke Nukems. <laughs> <laughs> I only played one Duke Nukem and I, I was like oh, I'm Duke Nukem down. I'm gonna done. But anyway, a lot of people I'm like Duke Duke and Nukem. I nuked him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh jeez. Same day, Max Payne two. Now, turns what, now what year fifteen came out in two thousand three. No, but what about um, Duke Nukem?
0: What year? 1998. 19, okay, I'm sorry. 1998, and then the new one was 1990... No,
1: 2003. Is Max 2003. Payne. I'm sorry. Continue, Steve. Still October the 15th of 2003. Max so Payne. A lot, a lot of October 15ths. Let's see. Um, also on the 15th, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 3. Oh, my gosh. Now, I, I never that. played that one. I was curious if you did, because that was out in the GameCube. I never had the GameCube. I did. That was a very fun game. Now, on the 16th of 1993, which would make this game 25 today, Rebel Assault. Oh, my gosh. That was another classic way back in the day. I remember a buddy of ours had it on PC and was like, yeah, I got Rebel Assault. You guys don't. And then it came, like I've, I looked it up on like electronics boutique or something like that. I'm like, oh, it's available for Sega CD. He's like, you got it? <laughs> <I'm> like yeah, <laughs> Sega 3D, buddy.
0: I remember the controls were so bad with the uh, with controlling the ships, but like the yeah. graphics for the time were so amazing. Right, like, we're gonna
1: force our way through it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, the ship just kind of shuffled through yeah, like yeah. asteroids and stuff. Yeah, like, I can't maneuver. <laughs> oh man, but it was almost like a combination of full motion video and like pre rendered cinematics at the yes. same time. So you you're control of anything was very limited. Basically, like just shooting was you could Well, you it was like, do. it was
0: on the rails, but like your ship, like in order, like you would like tell it to like kind of veer to the right, but like it was kind of meandering that way. Like it was like really loosey goosey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, here's a little history one here for you. October 18th of 1958. Oh, this must be a pinball. No, tennis for two it was one of the first video games ever created and the screen and i can, i'm trying to pronounce i might pronounce this incorrect russ was an oscilloscope which is basically like a small crt screen that measures electronic waves oh wow so you can kind of imagine like you know if the little when back and forth like a little tennis ball. I mean, basic, but it worked. I mean, you just kind of have to imagine that there's, you know, players and stuff, you know, in a crowd out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. October 19th, 1993, Cliffhanger. Oh, my
0: gosh. Was and I was. Is this one for the Sega CD or yes. was it for all consoles? No,
1: it was for Sega CD and something else, like the Commodore or something like that. Because they did come out with, like, a Sega Genesis version, a Super Nintendo version of that game, but... I don't think they came out with the Super Nintendo.
0: Well, yeah, they, I played it, it for a Super NES. It, it was
1: different than, yeah, that one was, the graphics weren't as good because they couldn't do like all the different motion graphics that they did on the Sega CD. Well, the Sega
0: CD, like, you actually had like real grainy clips from the movie. Right. And we were like,
1: oh, man, it's so cool. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, October 20th, 1998. Mm-hmm. Body Harvest. For the Nintendo 64. Why does that sound so familiar? Because it was by Rockstar Games. And they're basically... they. It had nothing to do with GTA. Uh-huh. But, but this game, I think they... To my recollection, they're basically using the engine of this game before they made GTA. And hope... Well, nah, I, I'm getting that. I'm not saying it right. But what GTA is today is is from this game really yes and then lastly russ mm. you weren't very big on this but i was the snowboarding game s s x as in like Steveovich, Steveovich x-ray mm-hmm. <laughs> turns 15
0: as of 2003. You know, my favorite SSX game was SSX Tricky. Yeah, I know that. I loved that game. In fact, I was really surprised that they did not continue down that path because it was just bursting with personality and all kinds of like these outlandish characters that were actually really fun to like get them to do these
1: amazing acrobatic feats and hear what they had to say as a result. The third one was the game where you can actually... Uh, tackle this entire mountain. And before, yeah, there was tracks and stuff. Like you could go down and do a a race of sorts. Mm -hmm. But you could actually free roam down specific mountains where there was no like obstacles. You would jump off rocks. You would jump off, you know, like tree trunks and stuff like that. But you were way high altitude. So sometimes you'd go off this big jump and you would just fly and and fly and fly forever. You're like,
0: oh man, I can see trees way out there.
1: Can you imagine, like, what
0: a next generation version of SSX Tricky would be like, given, like, the graphics fidelity of today and tomorrow? I mean, I, I think that would be so fun if they were to actually revisit that.
1: Yeah. Well, there was a snowboarding game that was out recently. I'm trying to remember what it was called. It was out uh, earlier this year. Um, I think it was called Steep. Okay. And it wasn't SSX, but, it, I mean, it was more of, like, a regular snowboarding title you could... You can still jump and do tricks and go fast and you know on your snowboard and whatnot, but it wasn't as flamboyant, I guess. I don't mm. know. But um, yeah, I, I still want to pick that one up. It got okay reviews. I think it was if you look on the, the Microsoft Store, it's got about three star on it. Well, thank you for
0: going through the the different release dates.
1: I get a kick out of that. I love like being able to
0: listen to just which titles got released, whether they're movies or games from
1: the, the days past. I think next week there's going to be some more stuff out. If I uh, if I looked at some stuff, right? Oh, the thing is too. I you know I'm limiting myself to you know like, you know by every 15, 20, 25, 30 and beyond years, right? Mm. Oh, so, you're doing five year increments. Well, not really necessarily five because I want to do like stuff that's like just five years old because I oh, remember five years ago we still have it. You know, yeah, we yeah. still play the same system. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That came out a while ago. You know, I do it by... The lo- the lowest I'll go is 15 years. Uh-huh. And then I'll go, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30, and beyond. So sometimes... But I'll look for those numbers. So if there's a game that's like, oh, it's... Uh, you know, if I do the math, it's 25? No, 26. Okay, that one's got to wait till next year. Okay. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Or a few years down the way. Uh, but I'll get excited for a quick minute, and then, and then it's just... Yeah, I have to lose it. Mm
0: got you (laughs) well you know what time it is Steve no I don't Ross well I'm gonna tell you hey this is time for none other than our topic of the day
1: get excited Steve
0: topic of the day is uh, call of duty black ops 4 and to be more specific it is our play impressions because we have not played it a uh, whole lot but we wanted to make sure that we got this in since of course it got released earlier this week so you know
1: what happens uh 15 years from now ross do
0: i know what happens 15 years from now
1: uh, no, Steve. Please enlighten me. It's going to be having its 15th birthday on the show. Um, What? We're going to have this segment, and it's going to be like, oh, well, this week in movie and game history. Let's have a birthday. Well, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 came out this day 15 oh, years
0: ago. Uh, I see where you're going there. Are you, are you picking up what I'm throwing down? Uh, well I am now I was I was definitely <laughs> I mean I, I was a little in the dark there but um yeah so this past Wednesday um, we twitched our first time playthrough meaning I was playing through and Steve was watching and laughing hysterically.
1: <laughs> I was actually a pretty funny twitch.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was actually. I think toward the very end, I got so just dis- like disheartened. I was like,
1: ah, okay, like <laughs> he's not laughing. He's not laughing anymore.
0: <laughs> so, I was playing it for a couple of hours and. Was going through um, just really briefly the um, the various game modes, which this game has quite a bit. I ended up buying the the kind of the ultimate edition. I don't know what they call it—the deluxe, something or other. But the expensive one, yeah, the expensive one. It's like one hundred and thirty bucks or something like that. And then Steve ended up playing it the following day at Mikasa. Mm-hmm. And, uh, was able to get, like, you got some zombie time in and then also played some heist.
1: So, some, um, death time, basically. Yes. Some cannon fodder time, some easy target, uh, here I am coming see how quickly you can shoot me time.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I have a
0: number of thoughts on this game, um... I guess the, the the easiest thing to start off with um, is the graphics. I you know what's interesting is that when the the game first loads, you have this actually really cool kind of frozen in time pose of one of the characters, one of the specialists, and the graphics just look really nice. And and the camera cuts to different perspectives and um, parts of this character that's frozen in time. And that looks like just just a really nice kind of first impression. And I was playing with kind of um, starting the game, exiting the game, relaunching the game, that sort of thing. They actually have um, different characters, different specialists that will populate that particular portion of the game, which is cool because it's just as a randomizer, it's not like you're you're seeing the the same dude who's kind of in that same uh, kind of uh, squatty pose or whatever it is that, that he's in there. Um, and it gives a chance for each of the character models to shine. Having said that, though, um, the the graphics throughout the game is kind of a mixed bag for me, and I wanted to get your opinion on on the the graphics as well. But in terms of some of the uh the areas, like the the maps, for example, you have some maps that just they almost look like dated graphics like they almost look like their Xbox 360 era or something to that effect. And then there are maps that actually do look current gen and actually do have like a, a nice amount of detail to them and that sort of thing. what what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think they should be better by today's standards. I think that um you know the last game the last black op uh, the last black op the last call of duty last cod there you go you were playing uh looked like it was a higher res version of a previous gen game and like it looked everything too sprightly almost and so i thought okay well which one are you thinking of i don't know, what was the last one that uh, cuz i think the last one i was playing was infinite warfare okay that was probably
0: that one and that one like all throughout the the entire game i mean the the graphics Quality was just triple A all the way through. Like everywhere I, where I was going, it was just like, man, like this is just a feast for the eyes.
1: But there was something that was off with it. It looked like too crispy or too sprightly or too polished. Something like I don't, I don't know. It didn't look exactly. I don't know, I'm trying to find the word for it.
0: Um, Call of Duty tends to have due to their graphics engine. Like they, they have a certain kind of sheen. To their graphics, like, like, the, and it's been there. I would say since the yeah, know, Call of Duty maybe. Three or so, something like that,
1: maybe. Um, anyhow, I mean, it's we're almost in twenty nineteen, and I figured it would be a lot better mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And it's, I, I, yeah, so yeah, I think it could be better. Also, if they're gonna be focused on just the multiplayer portion and they're not gonna give this full in depth story, then I think they needed to boost whatever they gave us
0: so okay so we'll we can talk about that now if you like i was really surprised that there was no single player campaign in the past when i play a call of duty title that's kind of my go-to is i've always enjoyed the stories that they come up with i've enjoyed the single player campaign and going through these um different parts of the world that sort of thing but i was never really much of a call of duty multiplayer fan Simply because I'm just not good at Call of Duty multiplayer. Like I, it's, it's bizarre. It's like I'm I'm pretty good at like Counter Strike back in the day. I'm good at Halo. Um, I'm I, I would say I'm probably pretty decent Overwatch player that sort of thing. But when it comes to Call of Duty, there is just something about it where like man, I'm just I cannot excel as quickly as I would like into that. So it, I was uh, a bit bummed that. Um, they decided to, to do away with it. And and I heard... Uh, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I heard that they did have a single-player campaign that was in the works, and apparently it was so bad that <laughs> they scrapped it. They ripped it out of the game this entirely. just sucks! Let's
1: just get rid of it. <laughs> Throw the game out there Was multiplayer. Hopefully it sells.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so it's... Did you did you in the past did you play Call of Duty? I know you you're more of a Battlefield guy.
1: Yeah, I played Modern Warfare three, and then I bought. I, I was I was asking all my buddies, saying, what, "What's the good Battle or uh, Call of Duty?" Because everybody, you know, a lot of folks tend to get excited when a new Call of Duty comes out, and I just don't see the hype. Which one's a good one? Because I see across the board, oh, this one's not as good as the other one. Oh, with, well, back when this one was released, that was pretty good, and so. A lot of my friends had the the consensus: you got to play Black Ops Two. Mm-hmm. So I went, okay, I'll go out and buy Black Ops Two, and I, and I got it. I played it, and it was fine. The story was good. Um, I didn't. It definitely wasn't bad. It doesn't wasn't really my cup of tea. But uh, you know, I played that thing through and through. And once I did the multiplayer, and once I did the story, that was kind of it. You know, I mean, I did it a few times and. Didn't really care to pick it back up. I had more fun with other first-person shooters and other multiplayer games. Um, but since then, what's funny, I think I've said it on the show before, You, you I, I hear this consensus from a lot of people who have played Call of Duty. They're still excited that the new Call of Duty is out, but they always say once you've played one Call of Duty multiplayer, there's nothing much that changes with other Call of Duty multiplayer except for like graphics, sound, color, uh, you know, whatever, whatnot.
0: Yeah, I um, I can't really comment too much on that. Um, obviously, the the online community for Call of Duty is massive. There you have a uh, just an absolute ton of diehard fans who who really do love it. And I've had quite a few friends, um, yeah, quite a few friends who um are also just really excited about this game. In terms of, I guess that they have made some substantial changes to the multiplayer experience. Um, my thing, one of the observations I noticed about it, about this game is that it can't decide what it is, which is illustrated by IGN's disclaimer. I was looking at their, their webpage and looking at just before the the reviews of, of Call of Duty Black Ops 4. And so they, they have multiple videos that you can watch from the game and, um, they have this disclaimer at the beginning of, of the multiple reviews, and um, and it says, this year we're trying something new because Black Ops 4's modes are so different, we are reviewing them separately, followed by our overall review and score. And I feel like that is just a very telling thing because it's almost like the game has a bit of an identity crisis. It's, it's like it's trying to, like, like, kind of shoehorn in these different types of game modes. So you have Heist... Which is you know you have d- different sub uh, game modes within the um, the game mode of heist, and that plays an awful lot like Counter Strike from the from back in the day, and then you have Blackout, which is their battle royale mode, and that's where a lot of the the hype was coming from because that's kind of like the, the 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 trending thing um, these days. You know you have. Um, PUBG that that really got popular and then Fortnite came out and that's like the huge one. Everyone is playing that game. And and so now you have Call of Duty who's wanting to capitalize on the whole Battle Royale mode. And then you also have the the zombie thing, which got really popular, of course, thanks to Mr. Jesse Snyder, who we have interviewed on this program uh, several episodes ago. If you want to check it out, just uh, do a search through our uh, program list and you'll, you'll see his name there. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to like kind of go through all of that um, because it just, it's kind of a smorgasbord of, of different features, but yet it's, it seems to be lacking something that's anchoring it. And I think that that's kind of where the single player campaign brings the value into the game itself. Because, like, for instance, like, in this particular game, all the characters have this, this motif. It's, like, this kind of, like, specialist theme where it's no longer, you're no longer, like, a soldier in the Marines or you're no longer um, some sort of um, army personnel. Now, like, they're, they're kind of playing around with this idea where it's almost like you're kind of this eccentric, off-the-wall, uh, just person who has been kind of sort of in the military but you have kind of a well a special ability so to speak of uh, some kind that sort of thing
1: but what, what are your thoughts on on the different modes well i yeah. first before we I get into that i think when you, when you mentioned PUBG and and fortnite that's primarily i think the the direction they went with this game is why they went with it um, I think they see the popularity of Fortnite and how much people play it and like it, talk about it. It has a style of its own. And I think that they, they wanted to capitalize on it. And because the story mode didn't work, they go, hey, there's a bunch of people that's that are playing these big, massive multiplayer games. And a lot of folks returned to Call of Duty for the multiplayer. How about we just make a multiplayer game and then we'll... Uh, continue to build upon the story for the next Modern Warfare. I hmm. think that's what's going to happen. I think the the next Modern Warfare we will see will have a very in depth story campaign to it, in addition to whatever they can build upon the multiplayer from the experience they gained from this game. I'm 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 not sure. That's a theory, but um, to completely you know if they've had a campaign mode this the entire being of call of duty and then they, they just all of a sudden up and, and leave it when no one was complaining about the stories to begin with uh i think it's a it's, it's a kind of a big move it's kind of a ballsy move
0: well it goes back and forth a bit because there are people who um i've talked to that just they actually don't even play the single player campaign they just go right into the multiplayer because that, that's what they love to do but then you also have Um, a significant amount of people who are like myself were like, they only play the game to play the single player campaign. And that's it. Once they're done with that, then they'll either replay through it or they'll just move on to the next game. You do have a certain percentage of people who will enjoy both sides of it. And that's great. Um, But I do think that that there has been kind of a running dialogue just within the last couple of years where people are questioning the validity of having some kind of single-player experience. And I think that, especially uh, with this past year, past year or two, I would say, you've seen this resurgence of different types of single-player story games. And, you know, whether it's God of War or it's Horizon Zero Dawn or it's Spider-Man, you have... Um, just these AAA, you know, game experiences that actually with those they have no multiplayer experience whatsoever. But it very much reinforces the notion that people want to be told a story. They they really enjoy having this this kind of interactive world that they get to participate in. And it's it, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting to see how they are going to move forward with this because there are multiple developers too that work within the the world of call of duty so you have treyarch which did the, the black ops game you also have infinity ward which is you know they they worked on um call of duty infinite warfare was their their last one and uh, i believe there's a there's a third developer and it's it's escaping me for them oh uh sledgehammer games and they work on some of the, the Call of Duty titles, too. So I'm curious to see, like, perhaps maybe there'd be one of them that decides that they're going to take more of a standalone multiplayer approach versus some of the others that think, well, well we're still going to honor the, the single player campaign. I, for one, hope that, that they make a return to that, because to me, it's just it, it does feel like there has been kind of a void that's left in the game itself. And there has been kind of a trend with this sort of thing. I mean, we've talked about this in the past, where Overwatch, for example, doesn't have a single-player campaign. It's a multiplayer-only type of experience. But what's interesting is that the way that it's set up, it is successful in terms of it being kind of more of that just online kind of platform. But you can tell that they they understand the importance of having a single player campaign, just just judging from their cinematics. Just because you got to have backstory for your characters, and this is something I I fully believe in is that anytime you introduce um, a roster of new characters, I as a gamer want to form some kind of bond with that character. I want to know what the purpose is of that character. why why am I spending my time being this character? If it's just to to meet up and do these things and battle and stuff, well, I mean the, there's a certain amount of enjoyment that's there. but at the same time, you know, that's if you were to look at like Halo, for example, that's why people love Master Chief because you took control of Master Chief. you went on this amazing adventure with him and you were able to emerge and survive um, on the other side and then you know, continue on from there. I think that if it was just a bunch of random space marines fighting each other in an online multiplayer experience only uh, game, that then you're only going to be looking at it from that viewpoint. But you're not going to have necessarily the, the dedication fervor that like, people have when they
1: think of Master Chief. Right. I think you're correct rush what will be kind of cool to see is like for example the 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 last infinity war that you were playing mm-hmm. if you could play through levels of that not just with two people two player two marine but like if you could play with eight people for example that i think that would be big because you're not limited to, to just the the arenas for multiplayer but you could play any level, and there was tons of levels in in that game. Which one? And the the last Call of Duty you played? Oh, Infinity War. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, I never really got into any of the online multiplayer stuff. I, I played through the story. I love the
1: story, right? But so what I was saying is, so if you took a different format of the multiplayer and you said, okay, you guys can go play multiplayer in these other arenas, that's fine. But if you want to continue the story and and play through the levels at with Eight people, you know, small army style, and strategize with your microphones, or whatever, whatnot. I mean, to me, that would be oh, it'd be great, pretty fun, and that's something that that
0: that COD has not done in the past. I mean, like like if if you think about um, the single player experiences, I mean, it's just it's yourself you're going through, and you're seeing different folks. But I w- I totally agree. I would love to be able to have you know, four to eight of my buddies be able to join me via online and play through some kind of single player. Well, I keep saying single player, but some kind of story campaign. I think that that would be um, a very gratifying experience to play through in a COD game. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about is the UI design of this game. And this is something that that you and I have been talking about as, as we were... Um, playing through for the first time, that sort of thing. So I'm not sure if I, if I mentioned this on Joygasm, but my day job is, is that I, I I am a UI designer. I do a lot of um, UI design, motion graphics, that sort of thing. And I've done so through different um, channels, both in the gaming industry as well as in the, the corporate industries, that sort of thing. So I, I always pay special attention to see how things are laid out, see what the flow is of the various front ends of the game as well as like the HUD and and that sort of thing. Um, I've got to say that the front end of Black Ops 4 is horrible. It doesn't provide the player with enough information. So if you're new to the world of COD or even if you've played some of the previous titles, you may struggle with trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. Um, To give you an example, I finally discovered that backstories do exist in the game of these, these characters, but you have to um, select the, the specialist HQ window. And that's, and that's how they title it is just specialist HQ, which is a smaller window compared to the other three windows of heist, blackout and um, zombies or whatever. And so once you, you select specialist HQ, then you have to select dossier and then you have to select backstory video to access it in order to view the other characters you must click on specialists and choose a character but then press the b button to return to the selected character's profile which is access their their backstory screen that you know and, and it's it's easier to be able to see that like if if you own the game you know what i'm talking about we're essentially like in order to try and gain access you select one of the characters, you see this little kind of like yellow cursor icon that appears in the upper right-hand corner of the thumbnail window of the character of interest. You would think that like just when when you make a commitment, you press the A button on there, it will then take you to that character's dossier slash backstory screen why do i have to exit out go back to the previous screen in order to see it because instead if i were to press a or 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 press the humongous continue button on there the game assumes that i want to start playing the game and no i don't i want to be able to find out like more about this character and so it's not very clear to me anyway um, how to be able to navigate through, and and after putting some more time in, I now have a better idea of, of just how the front end works. But man, that that is that is a pretty muddy uh, experience when it when it comes to trying to f- figure out where you're supposed to go, and especially if you're trying to find something, just how that that whole thing works. But again, going to the characters too, just kind of digressing a little bit off of UI design. Um, they have these pre-rendered cinematics that occur that kind of give a very like thirty-second to one-minute background of each one of the characters, which helps. I mean, it helps to know kind of what kind of personality these characters have, uh, what their their history is like, that sort of thing. And again, it reinforces what I'm talking about about how important it is that you you have to have this type of backstory to provide purpose to these characters that you're seeing on screen. Otherwise, they're just these random characters. And it's like, okay, well, uh, I see a a strong female with a pink mohawk and she certainly looks tough as nails, but what's my motivation to care? Why do I care about her? Well, because you have to have a backstory. You have to have a purpose in that. And so it's interesting how they've like embedded these things pretty far. I mean, you have to get, do about three to four selections before you actually can watch the video. And um, also it's important to note that the intro story, which kind of um, encompasses all of these, these specialist characters into this, this one video can be accessed through the specialist HQ window. If, I was the creative director of this game I would have had that intro play after you press a when you see like the you know you you see the initial frozen character pose at the beginning of the game you press a to initiate play that intro and make it skippable so that way people can instantly see what's going on within uh the game itself and and the intro isn't that long and it's pre-rendered it's a pre-rendered cinematic so it's like why are they embedding this stuff where you have to try and find it i mean it would just it would act as a tool of discovery for first-time gamers to be able to come in and be able to understand just what kind of world the developers have created what are your thoughts
1: i think there's a big crowd that actually doesn't care about pre-rendered cinematic that's true actually so i i think very good um, point i if people want to see it and they want to take time with the game, they'll, they'll stumble on it and they'll think it's pretty cool. I think the, the call of duty crowd uh, loves the game and has been wanting this massive multiplayer battle Royale for a while and they got it and that's all they really want to do with it. Right. Um, I don't think they really, honestly, I really don't think they care about the personality of the characters. They just care about uh, bragging rights of how good their aim is. (laughs) For sure. Much. I mean, if you think about it, no one's really talking about, uh, I mean, if we asked our girlfriend, Brad, mm. about his trip to Comic-Con, how many people has, has he seen dressed up as <clears throat> Call of Duty players? You know? Yeah, I'd probably prob- next to nothing. Probably next to nothing, but you, got, you see a lot of people dressing up as Overwatch characters. You got people dressed up as Walking Dead characters. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So, and that—that's not to disregard Call of Duty, but there's this well, big, I'm, there's this big disconnect of you know I don't care about personality per se in my character. I care about bragging rights, and and those are all
0: very good points. And I think that um, the the main reason why is because traditionally speaking, Call of Duty games, like I said earlier, are based on these these kind of soldier. Marine type of, of characters that, you know, they're, they're not as flamboyant as, say, Junkrat from Overwatch or D.Va or anything like that. Like, like Overwatch has intentionally created characters that are these larger than life, quirky, um, just just oozing personality. And so as a result like you're you're going to um spur on your your fan base to want to have fun dressing up as them if they go to Comic-Con or cosplay or whatever it is. But if they were to do that with Call of Duty, I mean essentially you would look like someone from the military. So it doesn't really you know encourage that sort of thing. But I think you make a very good point. I think that there are a few people who don't care about the cinematics, they just want to get in and play the game. And I think it also brings back Um, just, just, just fun memories of when I would play counter-strike way back in the day, back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, um, cause that, that game certainly didn't have any kind of like (laughs) story campaign, whatever you just log online and then you'd, you'd play, um, teams against each other. You know, you plant the bomb, you try and disarm the bomb or free for all or whatever it is. And it was just a lot of fun because the game mechanics were so solid it was just really fun and addicting to play, and I think that that's what kind of what they're going for with this particular game. Um, now moving over to Heist. Heist is probably my favorite game type that I've played so far. And again, this is this whole topic of the day is based on our playthrough impressions in terms of us just playing it for a couple of hours. So my opinion and Steve's opinion may change a bit in the future as we are able to get more time with the game. But I really did enjoy Heist. Just because once again, it brought me back to kind of the Counter-Strike days. I did appreciate as I was learning about the characters, how each character, and again, I learned this through the the, the kind of the specialist HQ dossier screens because they actually have um these really cool pre cinematics of showing what the abilities are of each one of the characters. And so I, what I think is really cool about the game, this is one of the, the big marks I give it is I like the idea of having specialists, especially in a military sense, because when you have these different types of abilities, it's like they, they kind of um, are similar to overwatch in the sense that, you know, each character has a couple of different abilities that are exclusive to each character, and they're able to execute that. And, and you know, you have kind of a balancing of sorts throughout the game that that goes on. Um, this one is 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 a bit more realistic. It doesn't obviously have all the sensational <laughs> <laughs> things that you could do in Overwatch, but um, I do really like how each specialist class has. Certain types of abilities, and of course, like if you are able to charge up what what basically what I call your ultimate. It's the same thing as Overwatch, where like if you are able to charge up your your main type of specialist ultimate move, then you can rain down like you know strafing runs from a warthog flying overhead, or you can launch out like some sort of little, uh, drone of sorts that can like shoot people down or, or electrocute people or whatever. Like, the and again, this is not a bad thing. I'm not poo pooing this at all. I think it's great that they have it in call of duty because it's almost like we get to see how that type of game mechanic can work in the world of call of duty. And I think they were successful. I think it does work really well. And I think the controls are really tight as well. I think that like playing through, you know, if I'm able to, to, um, connect and shoot with somebody. Um, it feels tight to me. It feels like I, I really do like the type of feedback I get when I make successful hits with the bullets. Um, and like I said, I think that that some of the maps, and again, I have not seen all the maps, but I do think that um, there are certain maps out there that just, they, they
1: do look really inspired. What do you think, Steve? Well, I think it just kind of goes to show that they're kind of taking and borrowing different elements that that stood other multiplayer first person shooters apart from the crowd. And yeah, that's not a bad thing. Um, it's kind of me too, a little bit also. Um, and yeah, call of duty is doing it with their own flavor, which is absolutely fine. But I also want to see more like, okay, we saw that brought to the table before. what What else are you offering? Yeah. Um, now playing through it, I, th- I was thinking, you know, the sound is a little bit off. I, w- I was hoping maybe for some extra deep sound, maybe less emphasis on my footsteps and more emphasis on listening to other people's footsteps or their gunfire because I thought, okay, I-, I can hear someone around me somewhere. It doesn't sound like they're to my left or to my right or to my rear or to my front or above me or below me. I don't know where they are. I just hear footsteps or I hear gunfire. I look out the window and I can't see anything. So, I mean, if they offered, like, maybe different lighting effects or different sounds um, to really give you that illusion of, okay, I can hear someone from, you know, if they're sprinting and they're they're running across a metal platform, I can hear that in the distance, and I know pretty much where that person is. As it stands, you see the, the fire of the gun, but there's no extra lighting effects, and your footsteps are the loudest footsteps. Mm. So I was picking up on that, and I thought, you know, if... If multiplayer is all we have, what else can you you, you emphasize within the game itself mm-hmm. beyond just multiplayer and, you know, some ultimates and specialists and whatnot? What are your thoughts on the the heist game mode? Um, I mean, it's, it's going to be your slayer, you know, and mm-hmm. pretty much, I mean, it, it's fine. And again, we only
0: played the free-for-all. Like, there are, I think, like, between six and eight different sub-modes in there. And mm-hmm. so I'm wanting to actually try out all those different types yeah. of modes because I think there might be certain ones that I gravitate towards.
1: And I think they are pushing the the team strategy. I mean, that's why you have yeah. your specialists, because they do certain things very well. Uh, they could block gunfire. They can set up perimeters.
0: <laughs> and again, that, that that is kind of a, a distant cousin or relative of Overwatch. Overwatch has characters that specialized i mean they're they they honestly are specialists in certain yeah. capacities and again um i think it's cool that they're able to to bring that into the world of call of duty and and have it be you know skinned and tweaked you know in terms of the gameplay to be able to fit in the world and i do think that they were successful in doing that
1: the one thing they will probably have the same struggles with is people actually using their microphones to communicate because you <laughs> know, when stuff's happening and people are dropping, yeah. you know, are you going to follow the guy with a shield? Or are you going to have the dude set up a perimeter and have everybody be within the perimeter or outside the perimeter? I mean, what are you going to do? And that's going to be difficult because if you have two people speaking to each other and party chat and they go off and do their own thing mm-hmm. and you're the guy who... <laughs> is not like your your main firing squad. He's just going to be left there for, you know, target practice. Right. So it'd be interesting <laughs> to see how the community starts to react to that because, you know, uh, if, if you're trying to figure out what to do on other games like Sea of Thieves, for example, like lower the sails and no one's lowering the sails. Like, okay, I'll do everything on the ship. Right. I, okay, my bad. Uh, or an Overwatch when you're Reinhardt and you're going, okay, I have the shield, everyone get behind me and no one gets behind you. So you're like, why am I Reinhardt?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there, there is a lot of that there. Um, and then, of course, the second big game mode is the Battle Royale that we mentioned earlier. I was able to try that out for the first time. That was the first time I've ever experienced Battle Royale. I am currently at this point not a fan of the game type. Um, I, like I said, I know that it's a, bit, a really big trending thing right now. Everybody who's everybody uh, just really enjoys playing the game type. For me, though, it's just I, I'm, I'm going to give it a few more tries, but I just I, I don't like the idea of just being dropped in somewhere and then I have to find my stuff and then you're kind of running around this ginormous environment and for the longest time you don't see anybody. And I understand why they're doing that. They want to try and build up the tension. They want to be able to have you, you know, be able to forage for what you need. And then at the same time, um, come across someone, and, and, and it's you know almost like Sea of Thieves, where you don't see a, another ship for the longest time, and then all of a sudden you see one, and, and then it builds that pressure, that stress, that tension, that sort of thing. Uh, and I think that that's pretty cool. But at the same time, when you when you die that's it. Like, like there are no kind of coming back of swords in this type of mode. And again, I understand that's, that's kind of the totality of battle Royale is like you, um, you have one life and that's it. And when you die, then you're watching the people who are still alive battle it out. the problem is, is that that becomes very boring in my opinion, because now I'm not playing the game. I'm just sitting there staring at people doing their thing. And maybe (laughs) it's one thing.
1: I'm so lonely.
0: Like the big thing about it too is like, I think that I would be more engaged with this if say, for instance, I had a party of friends. Like if there were like four or five of us that were all playing on a team and I die, I still have some sort of skin in the game, so to speak, because I have my buddies who are still trying to beat the round. And so then I'm still engaged as a result of that. But if I'm just playing lone wolf style, (laughs) I don't know who the other people are. It's kind of like, eh, whatever. And one of the things that I have found is that there are players where like they'll jump into battle Royale and then as soon as they die, they don't wait around. They just, they leave the server and they join another server. And it's almost, it's, it's weird because I feel like the, the game type of battle Royale is, is almost kind of, conditioning gamers to have this kind of like ADD type of, of approach to gaming where it's like, instead of just getting into the game and really having fun and, and sticking with it and everything else, it's like, you jump in, you jump out, you jump in, you jump out, you jump in, jump out. And like, like you just do these little things. And and it's like, there's no real commitment. There's no real like I don't know, like loyalty, I guess you could say. It sounds weird to hear me say that, but but that is something that came to my mind, which is just again, I think that 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 if you have people who, who are engaging in that type of activity, then there is a flaw within the game type that needs to be addressed. I think that um in the like again, I, I know I keep going back to Counter-Strike because Counter-Strike, you know, Valve is awesome. Um they had something similar back in the day where, like, also, like, if you got shot and killed, then you had to wait. But their turnaround time was a lot quicker in the sense that, like, if you, if you died, you'd watch people and stuff. And, and maybe you'd be waiting for maybe, say, three to five minutes, you know, and that's, that's not bad. And you had your little chat and everything else. Um, when it comes to Battle Royale, though, the map size is exponentially larger than that of Counter-Strike. And apparently, you know, the the map size gradually shrinks. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller, which forces the people who are still alive to be able to have a better chance of finding each other and and, and duke it out, so to speak. But again, I mean, you're looking at at a game that could, you know, you have a waiting period of maybe 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, especially if you have gamers that are campers. yeah, And that's kind of the big deal, too, is that in a game that large... You do have, and I've watched YouTube videos on this where you have certain players that are very good and that sort of thing, but they're not about assaulting. They're about finding some little crevice somewhere and just pitching a tent and just like waiting it out to like see where, where these other players um, may haplessly gallivant right in front of their crosshairs, so to speak. But That's a good word, Ross. Well, thank you. Now, you did not try out the battle royale uh, maybe maybe in the future you can give that a uh shot pun intended <laughs> but however you did play quite a bit of zombies what were your thoughts on that game type
1: you know i i was in the, the arena where the zombies kept on coming out and you can hear kind of a crowd and whatnot i thought the the that map was cool but It seems like a survival mode, which is absolutely fine. And at first I thought, wow, this is, you know, this is kind of cool. This is kind of fun. I get it. Um, But after I did it for a while, I was kind of done. I I don't know. (laughs) I think, I don't know if there was, there was not enough happening with uh, the gunfire or like uh, different fighting techniques to take down the zombies i mean you have like one slash with your knife and then that's just uh, continuously shooting and then you you might run out of ammo and i was looking i'm like where, where do i how do i even know how much ammo i have i don't even see a, a number on the screen anywhere uh so I, I was constantly trying to maybe okay do i need to get a different gun do i need to go some, find ammo somewhere else um and again we didn't have microphone you know, no one was talking in the microphone so it was hard to communicate it was kind of one man army at that point also um I, I would like to see more like, okay, if I shoot a zombie in the knee, you know, is, is he gonna slow down? Mm. And is he going to, you know, change his attack style? You
0: are an expert when it comes to fighting zombies from your Resident Evil days. I'm a zombie expert.
1: <laughs> Did you play any other <laughs> zombie games? Oh, uh, well, let's see. Um, Well, it was the Resident Evil. It was that, uh, what was that, the, the game that you had me play? Uh, the scary game. The,
0: oh, uh, 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 oh, I see the, the, the game cover. It's. Um, oh, what the
1: heck? Uh, you know. Well, you keep talking. I'm going to look for it. Well, then um, Silent Hill wasn't a, a zombie game, but that but that was kind of. That the was kinda kind, zombie-esque, kind of zombie esque, though. It was zombie esque, but they were totally different than zombies. They're like mutated humans or, I don't know, the Hills of Eyes. <laughs> creatures i don't really know pyramid man um anyhow but so yeah you you have these the enemies that are coming at you and they only really react if you're shooting them in the head if you get a a one-shot head kill i'm like okay well that's great but i want to see more like okay if you shoot them in the shoulder are they gonna react to it or you shoot them in the leg or the arm are they gonna react to it and i don't know they just kept on swarming and flooding and coming in. Here's more, here's more, here's more. And, and a lot of it didn't really change. Although there were, like, zombie tigers with glowing eyeballs.
0: The Evil Within 2. The Evil Within 2! That's right. Yeah. I, so okay, so my thing is, is that I played a little bit of the zombie mode as well. Um... One of my all-time favorite like zombie survival type of games, Left 4 Dead. <laughs> did you ever play that? Yeah, I did. Okay. Left 4 Dead 1 and 2 are seriously just some of the the best zombie experiences ever. And when it comes to co-op because you had four players that cooperatively, you know, you try and survive through these maps. It was completely fantastic. Just to be able to play through that game. I mean, they nailed the vibe, but they nailed the mood of, of, of the of just being in this world that's just completely overrun with zombies. The the way that the swarms would come in, you're trying to fight them off, and, and you had different characters that uh, again had certain abilities, and, and you know, you had to leverage those in order to survive as a group. Not only that, but also the way that you engaged combat with the zombies in left for dead. It just felt right. I don't know how to really describe it, but it seems like in this game, when you're fighting the zombies, it just the, the way that the, the, the gun is shooting and, and the bullets are connecting with the zombies, the way the zombies react to the impact of getting hit, that sort of thing. It just feels kind of disconnected to me. Yeah. Um, I will say that the melee, like like the you know you bust out the knife and you and you stab, like the the visual of that looks really cool, but even that, it doesn't have like you know the knife gets kind of stuck into the zombie and you have to try and pull it out and the zombie staggers back because you know you've you've exerted all the, this physical pressure and stuff. You just don't really see that. It's like you know they get shot and, then, and they just kind of absorb the bullets, they still keep walking towards you, that sort of thing. I also think that Resident Evil, um was really good at that too like where if you fired a shot you saw them recoil from getting hit and it, it was it was done so whether like they got shot in the shoulder you see like that part of their torso kind of kick back all of a sudden or their head or their leg or whatever it is i think i just wanted to see a bit more of that type of response as you you battle the the zombies in the game but I do like how they've taken kind of these these different worlds. And, you know, it's weird. I'm kind of conflicted now that I think about it because, on the one hand, it's like they're they're taking this totally off the wall approach to the zombie mode, where like you could, like, in your case, you were in some sort of, like, Roman-esque coliseum, and it seemed like you had different types
1: of... Corridors and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, corridors, and then the characters that everyone played seemed to be from different time periods. Yeah. In different parts of the world. Um, and again, not necessarily a bad thing, but still, like, like, like it just... I think this is one of the, the main issues I have... Um, not only with this game, but with some of the the recent games that have come out, which is just they cram anything and everything into the game. And so anything goes in terms of the art direction. Like like the game itself is Call of Duty Black Ops 4. And the part of that that makes the most amount of sense are the specialists. And so you want to be able to play... Like, for instance, for me, I want to be able to play through a story with those specialists, so that way I can enjoy getting to know who they are, what their motivations are, what their purpose is, that sort of thing. But we don't have that. And then we do have the heist mode, which is cool. Like, you can you can, you can at that point have fun with the characters and their abilities. Then you go into battle royale mode, and it's kind of a free-for-all thing. And then the zombie thing, it's not even a specialist Centric thing at all. It's like you have these different characters. Like when I was playing, I was on some kind of like pirate ship of sorts or something like that, and there were different types of characters that looked more kind of um, old world fantastical in design, that sort of thing. And it's almost like like the game has an identity crisis.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, if you think about Black Ops, like that, those are like specialized military operations that are off the books, right? You know, kind of covert but there are no military <laughs> operations and missions in the game at all, like whatsoever. So, I mean, I think, I don't even know why they called it Black Ops. I mean, I think in the past they actually did have um, story campaigns well, that you could play through. Yeah, of That's course. That's where they started. Correct. But why are they calling this one Black Ops 4 when there are no ops?
0: Oh, be, just it's just branding. It's just marketing. They, they know that the people recognize what the game name is. And like I said earlier, they actually had some sort of like campaign in the works. And apparently it was just awful. So they ripped it out of the game. Yeah, I'm
1: just thinking they probably should have named it as something else. Because, you know, if you have operations and missions and you play the game and there is no operations and missions, it's just multiplayer fiesta. Then, I don't know. <laughs> it seems kind of misleading. I don't want to say misleading, but eh, kind of. Yeah. No, I understand. Um, on a more positive
0: side of things, though, I do feel like the character voices are good. Like all the characters from the, like, all the game modes, really. It doesn't matter if you're playing as one of the specialists or if you're in zombie mode and, and you're playing as some sort of significant figure from history or whatever. Like all the, the voices are great. Do you like
1: what you had to... Yeah, it, w- it was... What I heard was fine, but it was kind of random. And so, I played <laughs> play with it with somebody, and then someone had some British accent. Oh, jolly good show! Da, da, da. I'm like, what? What did what, what? that person say? Well, what, that, are they wrong? What? That right there is a great <laughs> example of what
0: I'm talking about, where like you you have t- certain types of characters that exist in the game. But because there are there really isn't a proper backstory or a story campaign or something to provide context as to why these characters are here, if you don't have that, then you just have pure random chaos where it's like I mean, you know visually speaking or audibly speaking, whatever it is, it's like <laughs> it's like this weird like participation trophy situation where it's like, oh, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or whatever. You just come on in. And it's like, well, okay. Um, (laughs) And and see, I actually, to be fair, I struggled with this early on when I was playing Overwatch because they too did not have that. Now, Blizzard, since that time, have come out with multiple story cinematics with the various characters because they were able to identify, hey, look, we've got to create some kind of backstory for these characters because otherwise people are not going to be as invested with these characters and that sort of thing. And yeah, you could still enjoy playing as them. And and there is something to be said for that in terms of like, yeah, I like this character over that character because I can, I feel like like the abilities of this character are more in line with my play style, that sort of thing. Like there is value in that, but at the same time, I really did struggle early on with trying to just wrap my head around how is it that there's like this smorgasbord of characters that normally would never coexist together.
1: <laughs> One thing they did right, though, in Overwatch was if a character was going to say something, typically it would be when you're in the dropship or you're waiting to start the, the the map, and a few of the characters who maybe originated from there or around there or something like that, or just two characters that happen to be together and have some history would say something, and because you weren't involved in combat with the other team, you'd pay attention more to what the character was saying. Even when you got to point A to to defend, you got there and you were anticipating where the enemy is going to come from, but there was no real fire. And so again, if someone said something, you pay attention to it and you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, uh, McCree and Anna had some sort of past together or, you know, uh, McCree sometimes addresses Farah and says, well, your mother and I, you know, so you pay attention. But if you're just trying to survive and someone's saying something, you're not going to pay attention to it. You're just looking for the next health pack so you can continue the game. Right. And not have to wait for it to respawn. So in that case, it, it does kind of work. It forces you to listen, and then you think, oh, there is some history here. I'm paying attention to it. There, therefore, there's some value, and I and I and I like the history of the character I'm playing. So in conclusion, I think that
0: um, I'm still open to playing the game. Like I do see potential in the game. I think that part of why I'm not having um, the level of fun that I thought I would have out the gate is simply because I'm still trying to figure everything out. I'm still trying to see what the game has to offer. I do think that um, one of the the, the the big pain points of that has to do with the fact that the UI design just needs to be redesigned entirely. I think that, that there are certain things that, yes, they do kind of sort of work, but as a whole, it's, there needs to be a flow that is much more streamlined and straightforward enabling um, the user to be able to understand just what the heck is going on, especially considering that they have decided to have all these very different game modes um, exist together within this game. I think that in terms of the graphics, it's difficult too because I don't have an Xbox One X. You know, I think that once I'm able to get that plus a 4K TV, I'm, I'm really wanting to like revisit some of these titles and just see... How the, the the improvement of graphics looks because that may play a, a role. You know, we, you and I have talked about how developers, as of late, seem to be really trying to push more toward the high end systems like the PS4 Pro, the Xbox One X, that sort of thing. And I can't help but wonder if sometimes the filters and the different types of um, pipeline techniques that they use. Are acting as a detriment to just the Xbox One and the PS4 because they're they're trying they're constantly pushing for it. Um, it's it's very interesting to see how that's going to play out. But I do see myself really enjoying Heist. I think that as I move forward, I'm going to be able to engage with the various types of, of sub game types within heist. I I really do think that as I continue playing that, and especially after watching the backstories of the characters, also watching the ability videos too, to see what it is that they can do, not do that sort of thing. Um, I look forward to trying to to improve my skill sets with that and see just how that will play out. In terms of Battle Royale, I, you know, I'll try to play it a little bit more just because obviously there are a lot of people who do really enjoy that game type and maybe I'll discover more enjoyment out of it. But at, at this point, it's it's something that's not really fun. And the zombie mode, you know, again, I'll try that one out a little bit more, but it's just not connecting for me. Um, like like I said, Left for Dead is like my zombie game. I absolutely love Left for Dead. And I love watching you play Resident, the Resident Evil series, which Resident Evil 2 is going to be coming out here
1: shortly. What are your final thoughts, Steve? My final thoughts are that Call of Duty is basically appealing to its fan base and no one knew. So someone like me who I've played a couple of Call of Duties and they were fun, but I wasn't into the multiplayer, That's this is not going to be the game that's going to appeal to me because I wasn't a big multiplayer player of Call of Duty. So why would I go out and spend the money on it? I think that um, it's a little bit substandard in the, in the, the, the graphics and the effects. Um, I think they're trying some, some new ground and maybe didn't want to put a lot of money into the other stuff that they could do right now. And I think, like I said earlier... Uh, The next game that's going to come out in 2019 is going to be probably pretty huge. Um, And um, let's see what else. I think that um, if they release any DLC for it, it should be free. I'm going to say that right now because, I mean, if you paid $130 for the game and it's just multiplayer with no campaign and then they want some extra money for you know microtransactions or loot boxes or DLC, I think that's going to be a huge mistake and I think it'd be a, a nail in the coffin for them.
0: I can't remember what all was included when I purchased the $130 version. I do believe that there's
1: like some sort of season pass that's included with it. Well, let's hope so. Mm. I mean, even if it's 60 bucks, still, you, you paid 60 bucks for a multiplayer game and that's it. You know, another game that comes to mind is Titanfall. The first Titanfall did not
0: have any kind of story campaign that you could play through. It was online multiplayer only. And while they did have a certain level of success that honestly I attribute to the fact that Respawn Entertainment consists of of employees that used to be a part of the Call of Duty world. And so you had a loyalty from the fans to be able to see what they were cooking up next. And so they had some pretty good success with it. What's interesting though, is that they did take note of how the fans really wanted to have the campaign back. And so in Titanfall two, they did incorporate something with that. And I've been playing through Titanfall 2 here and there. And I got to say, now I have a much more appreciation for the world of Titanfall because of the story. And it encourages and really motivates me to want to play more of like the multiplayer maps and that sort of thing because of just kind of, once again, it's just
1: having that history with the characters for me personally that I really enjoy. It's almost like the first Titanfall was a little bit ahead of its time. Like if it came out around now or like last year, for example, when we started getting these just multiplayer only games and then Titanfall comes out and it's another multiplayer game and they're not advertising any kind of story mode to it. And people think, oh, it's like Fortnite. It's like Overwatch, except we have huge entire mechs and we're in cities and we could, I mean, that's to me sounds like a pretty cool multiplayer game, but I, but they didn't advertise it that way. They said, oh yeah, you know, here, this is what you can do. And everyone thought awesome story and multiplayer is included. And then it was vice versa.
0: Yeah. And even when I think back way back to like 2010, Um, I was working for a company where we were making Brave Arms, which was the like this 3D first-person shooter for Facebook. You know, you can go onto Facebook. It was free to play. You had microtransactions. And again, I think it was ahead of its time because the gaming community just was not conditioned or prepared to be able to accept kind of the approach of the game. But I mean, the, the whole premise is very close to that of like what you see with like overwatch and some of these other, other games, not necessarily on the, on the level of production value. Um, cause a game like overwatch is eons better than what we did. However, at its core, it's very much the same type of approach. And so I think that companies over the last decade have really been flirting with this idea of how can we make kind of like this online multiplayer experience that people can buy, they can play, perhaps sometimes it's free to play. And then we just introduce a lot of microtransactions into it, that sort of thing. And I think that just within the last couple of years, they're starting to really figure out how to get the hooks in there i mean even from a mobile gaming standpoint i think it's been very successful on the mobile gaming platform to be able to introduce games that are free up front and then introduce an absolute ton of microtransaction items that you can buy if you want to want to buy and 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 it seems to work out great for both parties that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week as we actually do talk about Soul Calibur 6. I know I said that last time, but um, we really are going to talk about it. I actually have it installed in my, my system and we're going to be uh, doing it a, a once over here. But um, yeah, next week we'll be having our Soul Calibur 6 impressions. Thanks for hanging out with us this week. If you enjoyed this episode, we definitely invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm for exclusive and early access to the show. Also, you'll be helping us out in terms of making any kind of financial contributions toward us making our way toward Video. It's a very big deal. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com slash Joygasm TV. Last but of course, not least, you can do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. (laughs)